Thank you. Thanks, Bryce. Uh, yeah, it's really cool to have Bryce MC for me. Uh, as you guys know, we're kind of a package deal. So, uh, so whenever I'm up here, Bryce is going to be up here too. But it's really awesome. I've known Bryce for a really long time. He's like my older brother. I don't have any siblings, but Bryce is basically it for me, as close as I can get. So it's really awesome to have him uh, as MC tonight. And how was worship? Worship was really good. Bit of worship with Gersh. Uh, really awesome. Um, I really felt ministered too. So thank you so much. Um, and that really seriously helps uh, me for what I have to speak tonight. And Shane, where's Shane? Shane, week in, week out, faithfully brings this pulpit and this little table up week in, week out, with very little recognition every single week. So can we just thank Shane for, for his pulpit bearing? It's really awesome. Thanks, bro. So let me just take a sip of water because worship's got me a bit parched. Now, I want to say from the get-go uh, that this, every time I come up here, this is my third time now, I take it really seriously. I don't take this for granted, and I understand that there is a certain responsibility that comes with being able to preach the Word of God um, to a congregation like you guys. So I want to thank you all, actually, uh, for just being here and listening. Um, I hope I'm, I'm up here for your sake, not for my own. I'm not up here because I want to be some flashy preacher and I want everyone to look at me. I'm up here because I really want to speak something that is going to be impactful to you guys. And so this message, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I can do this justice because if I can preach this message properly, if I can preach this message right, I firmly believe that this is something that will be able to change the way that you live out your faith. Yeah. So I just want to say that from the get-go, I'm up here. What I'm preaching, it might be difficult. It might be convicting. For some of you, it may even challenge some conceptions that you have of God. And I just want to, want to be up here and say, first and foremost, that I am up here preaching this message for your joy, for no other reason but for your joy. And if, for whatever reason, afterwards you feel confused, um, you feel maybe condemned, I don't know, I'm hoping not to condemn you, I'm not really, I don't think I'm saying anything that's going to make you feel condemned, but if you do, if you have any questions, I want to encourage you, come see me, come see Pastor Dex, come see one of the leaders, don't sit on your questions, because if you have them, it means one of two things, it means that it's something that God is stirring up in you, and I've actually preached okay, and so it's something that we can work on and we can, we can work out further. Or it means that I've preached completely badly. I shouldn't be up here and Pastor Dex shouldn't give me the opportunity again. So it means one of those two things. So I just want to encourage you guys. I'm preaching for your joy. That's what it's for. If you have questions, don't sit on them. Come and ask someone afterwards. So with that, let's just pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for this opportunity, God. Lord, I pray that you would reveal more of yourself tonight, God, because the more we know about you, the more we understand how you work and how you relate to us, God, the easier it is for us to, to love you and to, to lay our burdens down before you, God, and to go about our lives. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for, for what you're going to reveal to us tonight, God, but most of all, I thank you for your love for us. Thank you so much for your love for us. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us tonight, God. Soften all our hearts to receive what you want to speak tonight, God, and get me out of the way, Lord. Speak to your people. I'm here as a vessel, Lord. Just speak to your people through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, to sort of frame this message and kind of put us on track to, to kind of go through it, 
Um, I want to pose a question to you guys. And this is a question that I want us to be thinking about as we're going through, as I'm talking about what I'm going to be talking about. It's kind of the underlying theme, kind of the underlying message. And the question is this. Do you care about God's glory? So that's our underlying message for tonight. That's kind of what we're going to be looking at. Now, Raf, if I can have that little thing up. Yes. Am I? No. Maybe after tonight. I purposely wore sneakers tonight, actually. So, uh, um, yeah. So, you guys may have heard preachers and sneakers. If you haven't heard of this, I'd really encourage you to go and have a look because it's a bit of a laugh, actually. Um, it was really, like, recently, if you're not aware, so what's happened, there's this guy who's been taking pictures of preachers and the clothes that they're wearing, and he's been putting the price tags next to them. So, Raph, if we can have the next slide. Now, you can see here, I purposely picked this guy so that I don't offend anyone. Now, I just want to say, I'm not picking on these people. Don't at me on Instagram. Don't, like, don't have a go at me. I'm not having a go at anyone. I'm just trying to illustrate a point here. Um, so this guy, I'm not even going to say his name so that people who are listening to the podcast won't be offended. Uh, I don't know who this guy is. Uh, I didn't pick well-known preachers. I know some of Pastor Dex's favorites and some people I even like are ended up on this page. Um, but you can see here, there's this guy, nice, preaching. You can see he's actually tagged Versace in his own Instagram post. And he's got some shoes there. And I don't know whether you guys can see the price, but it's $1,500. And let me tell you, this is one of the cheaper shoes that have ended up on this page. And recently, there's been a lot of discussions and a lot of talk about this page and what's going on. And... Uh, whether or not pastors who are employed by their churches should be paying like a lot of money for expensive shoes. Now, that's a good conversation to be talking about, but I actually think there's a deeper conversation, more important question that we should be asking uh, with all of this. And it's, should pastors be drawing attention to themselves with the shoes that they wear? Now, I don't know these people. I don't know where their heart is at. It's not for me to judge what they're doing, but I do think the question should be asked, should we be drawing attention to ourselves? And who are we directing our attention to? Are we trying to put stuff on ourselves? Are we dressing nicely to draw attention to ourselves? Or are we trying to draw attention to God? So I think that's an important question to be asking. But we kind of live in this culture at the moment that's really focused on self. Um, if we think about it, we have Instagram, we've got Facebook, we've got Twitter, we've got all different types of social media platforms where we can promote ourselves. And there's a lot of Instagram influencers out there whose brand, whose market, whose product is themselves. And so they draw a lot of attention to themselves. Now, Instagram has recently stopped showing how many likes, um, that, that are on there. And I think that's actually a good thing because it means that it kind of stops the comparison. Like we're often as human beings, we like to compare ourselves to other people. And if we compare ourselves to other people, often it's going to do one of two things. It's going to make us feel better about ourselves or it's going to make us feel worse about ourselves. And the truth is, is that we shouldn't be our own standard. What the world is telling us is that us, ourselves, we are the center of our own universe. It's all about you. You get to set your own standard. You get to set your standard for morality. You get to set your standard for what's good. You get to set your standard for what's 
your happiness, what your happiness is, that's not a biblical definition of what our standards are. If you know what the word sin means, sin actually means in Hebrew, the word is kata, which means to miss the mark. Now, we as human beings have a tendency all the way back to the beginning, to the fall. If you think in Genesis, Adam and Eve's sin wasn't that they decided that they thought the fruit was nice to eat. Their sin was because they decided to decide for themselves, to define for themselves what was good and what was evil. So we miss the mark and we sin because we define ourselves as the mark. If we define ourselves as the mark, that's a mark, that's a target we're going to hit every single time because we define it. But if God is the definition, the Bible says is that we fall short of the glory of God every single time. So the truth is, Genesis says that we were created in the image of God. So we were actually created to be in alignment with that target, to be in alignment with God. And we've decided for ourselves, no, we want ourselves to be our own target. So... Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 to 6. Now, I've got quite a few scriptures tonight, but uh, I'd rather the Word of God speak than me. uh, And if it's too much, then, oh well. (laughs) So, let's find Ephesians. There it is. So, Ephesians chapter 1, verse Four, yeah. So I'm going to read the, like, the last part of verse 4. Oh, no, actually, no, I won't. I'll read from the beginning. Uh, verse 4. So, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. And I want to re-emphasize verse 6 again, to the praise of his glorious grace. So you see that God, before the creation of the world, has chosen us. And that's pretty cool. He's chosen us. So he's created us in mind before the creation of the world for the praise of his glorious grace. So we, you and me, and every single human being on the planet has been created to bring praise and glory to God. And again, as the church, so let's go into verse 11. And it says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works everything out in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first fruits to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. So verses 4 to 5 is that those who are of us who have been chosen before the foundation of the world have been created to bring praise to his glory. And then verses 11 and 12, it's talking about God has redeemed a people for himself to bring praise and glory to his own name. And then in verse 14, it says, it's talking about the Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So you can see that Paul is mentioning that 
three times. And he's really trying to emphasize here that we've been created, the church has been redeemed, and our hope is all to the praise of God's glory. It's all to the praise of God's glory. So we have to ask ourselves then, are we more concerned about the way we look to other people or are we more concerned about God's glory? Are we more concerned about the way we relate to other people or the way we act towards other people or the way other people are going to think of us, what they're going to think of us, whether they're going to like us, whether they're going to hate us, or is our concern actually God's glory? So, now... For us as Christians, it's actually quite easy for us to say, because, you know, Paul says in Corinthians, he says, everything that you do, do to the glory of God. And I think as believers, that's really easy for us to get on board with, right? That we're like, yeah, cool, 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 cool. I can get on board with that. I can give glory to God. I can do everything to the glory of God. But often we do that with a little footnote, with a little asterisk. We'll make God the center of our universe so long as we are the center of God's. So that's another question that we have to ask ourselves. Is us being for God's glory conditional on God being for us? Now, if I were to ask you guys what God's main motivation in anything that he does is, what would you guys say? Maybe love? Maybe love. That's good. I think a lot of people would probably say that. And you're not wrong. But Scripture does say to us that God is motivated by his love. But it actually goes deeper than that. So I want to read some Scriptures to you. Now I'm going to kind of rattle them off pretty quick. um, Because there's a few of them. So... Let me get my trusty sheet out. They'll be coming up behind me, I think, if Raf has them. So, Psalm 23. Everybody knows this psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Awesome. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for what? For his name's sake. Isaiah 48, 11. For my own sake... My own sake, this is God speaking, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. Psalm 79.9, help us, God our Savior, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. Jeremiah 14.20-21, we acknowledge our wickedness, Lord, and the guilt of our ancestors. We have indeed sinned against you. For the sake of your name, do not despise us. Do not dishonor your glorious throne. Remember your covenant with us. Do not break it. First John 2.12, I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Now, that doesn't convince you. There's Romans 9, 22 to 23, Exodus 14, 4, Ezekiel 20, 14, 1 Samuel 8, verses 4 to 6, Daniel 9, verse 17, and there's about 20 others that you could go to that speak about God doing things for his own sake. Now, at this point, you're probably thinking, 
Well, you're making God sound like a narcissist. God sounds a bit full of himself. And you're probably also thinking, well, if God does everything for himself, if God does everything for his own glory, does that mean that he ever does anything for me? Does that mean that he never does anything for myself? Well, let me tell you, God is not a narcissist because God being in pursuit of his own glory is actually for your own good. We don't like it when people make much of themselves because it's usually to their benefit. We as human beings rarely, in fact, I would probably say it's almost an impossibility for us to glorify ourselves to the benefit of someone else. I can't think of an instance in my life or in anybody else's where we have, where someone, whether myself or somebody else, has been able to glorify themselves to the benefit of another. It doesn't happen. And I think there's a particular reason why it's different with God. Now, let me tell you, God being for, your, for, for his own glory is for your good, and it's because he loves you so much. He loves you more than you can imagine. Now, if that doesn't make sense to you, if it doesn't make sense how God can do things for himself, for his own glory, because he loves you, then maybe it's because we've got the definition of love wrong. We, particularly in the church these days, like to talk about love a lot. And that's really good. We make banners about it. We make bracelets about it. If you're like me, you've got a hat that's got the cross equals love on it. Um, like you, one of our favorite phrases is like, Jesus loves you. And that's all true. It's all good. But what do we actually mean by that? When we say Jesus loves you or God loves us or God does things because he loves us or we quote John 3.16 and say, for God so loved the world, what do we mean by love? Do we mean what the world's definition of love is? The world's definition of love is pretty gooey. It's like, oh my gosh, like I'm so obsessed with you. Like I want to do everything for you. We think about love as this gooey emotion. Like often, I've heard people say, many of them, oh, I just don't feel that spark anymore, so I don't love them anymore. Well, that's not what love is. Now, if you actually like Google the English definition of the word love, it's not just a noun. It's not just a, a word that, that, that's a name. It's not just a describing word. It's a doing word. It's a verb. It's an action. So it's not like, it's not just a feeling. It's not like happiness or it's not like sadness. I don't say, Ferdy, I happy you. That doesn't make sense. But I can say, Ferdy, I love you, bro. Because that's a doing word. That's an action. And what love is, is not this devotion. That's what we think of when we think of the, words, the world's definition of love. We think of utter devotion, complete obsession. Our world revolves around you. When we love someone, our world, world revolves around you. But love is actually a decision. And love is being, making a decision and acting with someone's best interest at heart. It's wanting the best for someone. And the best doesn't always mean being obsessed and giving you every single thing that you want. This might be hard for you to hear, church, but God is not obsessed with you. God is God, and we are not. God, by definition, 
is uncreated. Let's talk about God for a little bit and let's, let me define a little bit what God's glory is as well because this will help you. God is uncreated and we're created. God is the beginning and the end of not just our personal life, the life of our church, the life of our city, the life of our state, the life of our country, the life of our world. God is the beginning and the end of the universe. God is the one from every single thing that has been created and ever will be created, everything that exists, that has proceeded from God. And the Bible talks about God being holy. And this is directly tied to God's glory as well. Now, when we say holy, we, don't, we often think that it just means that God is good and he's pure and he's moral. Yes, God is good and he's pure and he's moral. But God's holiness actually means, the word holy means to be set apart. So you think about some of the songs that we often sing. We sing, there's no one like you, there's no one beside you, there is no other name, no one compares to you. These are the types of things that we sing week in, week out. And that's talking about God's holiness. God is, is incomparable to anything because he is the one that created it all. We cannot compare God at all to anything that exists. He's totally above it. He's total perfection. So God's holiness and God's glory are related because God's glory is the, the showing or it's the display of God's holiness, of how separate God is. So when we glorify God, it means that we are, we're not adding anything to God. It's important to remember we don't add anything to God. If we didn't gather here today and we didn't praise God and we didn't worship God and we didn't bring glory to God in our worship, as good as it was, God wouldn't be any less. God wouldn't be any, any less. We don't add anything to God. It's important to remember that. We don't add anything to God's glory. God does not actually need us. God doesn't need us. He's complete in his own being. He didn't create us because there was some kind of deficit in God. In actual fact, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, because they love each other so much, it was actually, they're totally complete in their relationship. They don't actually need anybody else. Like the Godhead is totally secure, but God out of the overflow of his love, because that love, that Trinity, that love that they have for one another is so amazing. Out of the overflow of that, God was moved to create us. So love isn't a gooey feeling and God loves us too much to let us glorify ourselves and make our lives all about us. If God is the ultimate being, if God is the ultimate perfection, if God is the be-all and end-all of everything that exists, then what greater gifts could he give to us than himself? There's no greater gift that he could give to us than himself. And so God being in pursuit of his glory and wanting us to glorify him is so that we can actually have the fullness of fulfillment that we can ever possibly have. We can have true satisfaction. Because the truth is, God, if God is the ultimate pursuit, if everything that exists is below God, then your spouse, then your relationship, then your Yeezys, then your whatever it is that you like to pursue, whatever it is you like to splurge money on, 
I'm not saying don't go and do those things. I just want to be really clear. I'm not saying don't enjoy the things that life has to offer. But the thing is, remember that none of that is going to satisfy you because God is the ultimate pursuit. And so when we make ourselves the mark, we're totally neglecting God. And the problem is, the problem with our sinful state is that we always choose ourselves. But it's important to remember that Jesus has died for us to reconcile us to God so that we can actually choose him. So every one of us here in this place today, because of God's goodness, because of God's love, God has sent his own son. If that is not an example of how much God loves you, then I don't know what is. Now, let me, I just want to say this really clearly too, because we like to think of God in, in sort of human ways of thinking. God being totally loving and loving us and God pursuing his own glory, those two things are not in contradiction because they're actually one and the same. So God pursues his own glory. God is for God. God is after his own glory and everything that he does for our benefit because he loves you too much for you to make everything about you. Life is not about you. The sooner we make it about us, the sooner we like to reflect on ourselves, we're actually paving our own path to destruction. We're paving our own path to misery. We're paving our own path to pain, to a lack of fulfillment, because God is that ultimate fulfillment. So I know that's been kind of heavy. I'm sorry. But uh, let's go to Isaiah, because I think this chapter might, might be a little bit more uh, softer. So Isaiah 43. Now this is God writing to the people of Israel. Um, but we can also take these words as, as being for us too. Because God is constant in his, in his character and his nature and his goodness and his delight towards his people. Um, so yeah. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob... He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Do you see how that scripture doesn't treat God's glory, God being for his own glory, because it says there in that last, that last verse, verse 6, oh no, verse 7, sorry, everyone who is called by my name whom I created for my glory. 
But do you see how many times God says, I love you? And how many times he's saying, this won't harm you. No harm will come to you. The truth is, guys, is that while we're extremely unreliable, while we will sometimes make God our mark and then other times make ourselves our mark, God is always consistent. God is always good. God is always loving. And so every time that God pursues his own glory, it is for our benefit. Don't know how many times I can say that enough. I'm just really trying to make sure that you guys are getting that one. Because I know that this can be something that's really hard to wrestle with. And I'm not trying to belittle your burdens either. Because your burdens are real. And sometimes they can be crippling. And I'm not trying to belittle those. But the truth is, whenever we sin, whenever we're burdened by something, every single time we have an opportunity to look to God and bring Him glory. Because if we look to God, then we're really living in that freedom that Christ bought for us. It pleased God to bring the Son glory. How much more should it please us to do the same? Now, I will get the band to come up now. And I don't want to leave you guys uh, without kind of closing up with, with something that's somewhat practical for you. Again, I'm sorry, this isn't exactly the, the most uh, easy thing. Um, but I'm going to read it nonetheless, because like I said, it's for your joy. And if you're not feeling joyous at this moment, ponder what I've said. And if it really hasn't resonated with you, and it's really, if it really makes you feel uncomfortable, please come and see me. Please come and see me and we'll talk about it. I'll talk about it more. Because the thing is, is I've had plenty of time to wrestle with this and I'm kind of spewing it at you guys. But I'm hoping that it's something that's going to be a bit of a wake up. So this quote is from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. If you don't know who C.S. Lewis is, he's the guy who wrote The Chronicles of Narnia. He's also a really great Christian author. Apparently they reckon he's like the, the Christianity's greatest convert because he was an atheist and then he became a Christian. And he's written plenty of books. And Mere Christianity is great. It's really great. So I'd encourage you to read it if you, if you haven't. And it says this. Give yourself up. And you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. And Jesus said these words. These are based on Jesus' words too. Submit to death. Death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day. And death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will be really yours. Now, there's a quote by one of my favorite preachers, Matt Chandler, um, and he's talking about material things. So like all the things that we buy, so like those shoes that some of those preachers were buying. And he said that every single thing that you own is the future of junkyards and garage sales. Everything that you own, even the clothes that you are wearing, will one day be thrown out. They are not eternal but God is eternal. Nothing in you that has not died 
will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin and decay. But look for Christ. This is so good. Look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. Do you get that? If you look for Christ in your pursuit of everything, look for Christ and everything will be thrown in. Your happiness, your joy, your goodness, all the things that you want to satisfy you, it's all going to come with that. So you guys may be sitting there thinking, well, it's, it's, it's all well and good for you to say. It's all well and good for you to say. Now, this, this, this is a process, guys. It takes time. But let's just make sure that every single moment that we do feel overwhelmed, every single moment that we do feel overcome, that we are looking to the cross and we're saying, God, thank you so much. Take every single opportunity, even the opportunities where you fall and you stumble and you sin. Take that as an opportunity to glorify God. Because God sometimes allows us to sin so that we can remember that He is God and how good He is towards us. Because if we look at the cross, sins past, present and future are all forgiven. You don't have to add to that. That's what's the beauty of God being after His own glory, is that we don't have to do anything to get on His good side. We don't have to do anything to make Him love us more because it's based on Himself. It's not based on us. So every single day, God loves you the same no matter what's going on. So if you sin, throw in yourself, throw yourself on the mercy of God and say, God, thank you so much for what Jesus has done for us. Thank you. Every time that something is going good, know that it's not a reflection of yourself, but it's a reflection of how good He is and say, God, thank you so much. Thank you for my Yeezy shoes. Thank you for the nice car I drive. Thank you for the mansion I live in. If you can use everything to the glory of God, church, imagine how impactful that's going to be. Because people don't need to see us. Stop drawing attention to yourself and draw attention to God. Because if you draw attention to God, you're going to change the world. That's what changes the world. There's preaching going on at the moment now that talks about us, how good you are, how good you can be. You're going to do this. You have this potential. You have that potential. That's not what saves the world, guys. That's not what changes the world. God changes the world. Sorry if I'm being passionate, but... The fact is, is that if we can look to God and we can glorify God, that's what's going to bring us true happiness and that's what's going to bring the whole world true happiness. Because people need God, people don't need us. So with that, I'm just going to invite the, the team to pray, to, to worship. If you want to pray, pray. Pray Gersh. Gersh is a good prayer, so is Kaz. Um, but I'm just going to let these guys worship. And, and as we're singing this song, you're singing As You Find Me, is that... Uh, yeah. When you think about these lyrics, actually think about them as you're singing them, because this song is a good song. This song is really, Hillsong are uh, popping out some really good stuff at the moment, but this song really talks about God being for God's glory. You may not see it as you think about it, but think about what I've been thinking about and relate it to this song as you sing. Make that a declaration, but also contemplate God's love for you. Contemplate God's love for you. That's worship church. <laughs>